0: I'd like to thank our new sponsor, Launchpad Kickoff Tee, for joining us here on the Armchair Coaching Podcast family. Coaches, are you looking for that competitive edge, but you might not be paying attention to the kickoff game? Well, this is the company for you. I'd like you to go check them out. I have one sitting right here in my hand. It's incredibly unique. It's got a very large surface area and incredibly flexible wings. And so what this does for you here, it gives you extreme flexibility with how you want to kick off. Do you want to use the patented forward lean? Well, if you don't know what that is, go ahead and check out their website. You can do just about anything you want. You can dial up different types of squib kicks just with the different angles. You can literally do just about anything with this. And the nice thing is they send you this piece of paper here that goes with diagrams that show you all the different angles and techniques that they've discovered so far, and they are incredibly helpful on their website. I highly recommend you check them out. If you're interested, do me a favor. I want you to go to launchpadkickofftcom slash ACP. Make sure you add the slash ACP. And if you're interested in buying one, if you go to this specific website, you can find the link link in the description below, you actually get a discount. You're going to get a 10% discount just from using the the Armchair Coaching Podcast link. If you want to buy one, if you want to buy two, that's a savings of 25%. And if you buy three, you're actually going to get one for free. All right. So those are some huge deals that you're going to get there. So do us a huge favor, check out our sponsor at Launchpad Kickoff Tee. Make sure that you go to the specific site, tea.com slash ACP, launchpadkickofftee.com slash ACP. On the kickoff, it's not like all the other kickoff tees that you have. It's incredibly unique. All Armchair Coaching Podcast episodes have been edited by Coach James Heath. Follow Coach James Heath on Twitter at JRockfordHeath. And if you are interested in starting your own podcast, contact Coach Heath, and he will help you get set up with everything that you need for podcasting. Thank you, Coach Heath. I couldn't do it without you, brother. Welcome back to the Armchair Coaching Podcast. I am your host, Coach Sheffer, and we have another guest tonight. We have Coach Vince DeGatano. Uh, who is currently the special teams quality control assistant at Fordham University and also the former head coach at New York Maritime, which hopefully, I, I hope you get to tell me that story a little bit too. Um, but the first question, coach, that I'm going to have for you is one that I ask every coach that comes onto the podcast. Um, I want to know a little bit more about you, uh, and specifically, I want to know your story, your, your coaching background, because I'm oddly fascinated by that, so... Could you uh, let me and the listeners know a little bit about your coaching journey? Basically, how did you end up where you are now?
1: How long is the podcast?
0: (laughs) As long as we need, coach.
1: Before before, and anybody who knows me goes, you're in for it now. When you when you hear that, but uh, now before I even start that, I just appreciate you having me on. yeah, I've listened a little bit. Uh, I was actually listening during the course of this. I was cleaning out like one of the garages. Of shit. I had the headphones on. I was listening, uh, um, and I said, "Oh, he's you know he's got he's onto something here. He's he's really genuine about what he's doing. So I appreciate you, you to keep going down that road. Uh, happy to sh- share with you um, my deal. And if it you know helps anybody out, then obviously uh, um, I'm more than more than willing to do so. And you know uh, I know we'll give out the Twitters and everything. But you know you always kind of go how do I get in touch with this guy? Like, oh, I like his, you know, so big on, you know, I'm at Coach Dig, D-I-G, at the beginning, so people, you know, get paused and they can't come back and listen and they hear something they want to question about, but um, especially when it comes to their career stuff uh, um, in this game and and in this profession and in the, uh, really, at any level of it, I'm more than open to answers. So, so yeah, for me, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a, an interesting one when it comes to the, I never actually planned on coaching football. Um, I I actually never planned on coaching much of anything. Um, I I played, you know, I played at Wagner college um, uh, when it became division one double a, or now known as FCS uh, right during that time um, when it was really like non scholarship at that time. And now it's obviously transitioned, but you know, I played, um, I had my injuries, I was in and I was out, you know, I was just always a tough kind of guy who just got it done. I was one of those role-playing guys and, and, um, you know, during the course of time, what ended up happening was I ended up got injured. I took a whole semester off and I went out and uh, went to like the world of work. Um, and I didn't really envision finishing college. And one of the things that I ended up doing was, uh, I, I got involved at the time, which is probably not the greatest story ever, but I got in time with like, uh, like the brokerage houses, you know, I mean, like you guys see these boiler rooms and the Wolf of Wall Street and like that kind of stuff. Like, what did I know? I was 19 years old. I'd kind of like went in there and did that stuff and now, you know, cold called and things like that. And you really didn't have a lot of direction, but one of the things that ended up happening was they said, Hey, listen, if you do pretty good at this, um, you're going to take a series seven exam. I don't, I was never really great academically. And what had happened was I ended up taking this exam and, and I ended up passing. It was like the chances you pass in the first time are very minimal. Um, uh, and I, and I passed it right on the first time cause I had really dedicated myself to do it. Like I was internally motivated for the first time academically to ever do it. And I kind of, when I passed it, um, I came back and everybody was kind of like oh you're excited you're gonna you know make money you're gonna do all this other stuff and I said I, I kind of think I want to go back to college <laughs> like no, I, I don't think I, I think I I think like I kind of learn how to learn now I don't necessarily need to sit here and cold call anymore and do that stuff thankfully I did because everybody kind of sees how the wolf of Wall Street and everything turned out with like raids in the SEC and stuff too so that was fortunate to not be there on that end of it I wasn't there any long enough to have any kind of you know, deals or anything like that. It wasn't Gordon Gecko or anything here, but, but the, at the end of the day, but I found out that I could probably be motivated to do something and motivating myself academically was key. So when I went back to school, I had like a, a new, a whole new way of looking at things. And, you know, I, I kind of shifted majors. I no longer was like, just, I had no clue what I wanted to do. And, and I went into the, into, um, uh, education, uh, eventually, um, you know, fortunately, when I went back too, I also met my wife of uh, a very long time right here, and uh, and so that was also fortunate too. Uh, she kind of, was pretty good at putting me on straight and narrow with stuff too. But the uh, the key, I think, more than anything else for me was when I left. I got there and and um, I really found out that I could like, I could learn. I don't even going to say to to teach. I could learn as a learner as opposed to, you know, I was always good at being coached. Right. And I was always a coachable person, but coaching, being coached and learning are two different things. Really understanding the why behind what I did and, or or developing a process to learn it, I think was was key. And so when I left, I I stayed on, I ended up, ironically, I ended up doing a master's degree and I GA'd, I I played two more seasons. I finished out my career there. Um, You know, it was a great experience, Um, lifelong friends, you know, all that other good stuff. And then I kind of said, well, maybe I want to go be a GA there. And I actually went in and talked to the head coach. And he said, I already got GAs. He goes, I'll get you a GA on campus. I'll help you get a GA on campus. And it wasn't in football. It was actually early childhood, believe it or not. So I was, I was actually a kindergarten teacher for a period of time uh, there. And to see a kid at five and six years old, and really you're talking about some, some kids on the spectrum. I mean, this is, we're talking like the late 90s, early 2000s really showed like what learning and human, human development was. So by doing that, I had gotten licensed in, in, in school and in high school. And I left and I went to, and I said, well, you know, uh, you know, moved out, you know, the whole thing, you know, you know, adult life. And I went to uh, teach and I went to teach in in South Bronx. And if anybody's not familiar with South Bronx, um, you know, during the late nineties, I mean, there's a lot that's on Netflix and a lot of things that are out there right now. Um, about what that neighborhood looked like. And it's tremendously different than what it was right then. And it was really coming out of some tough times then. And, and really people have put a lot, lot to that, and especially in New York City area. Um, and I have a lot of Bronx. But I probably spent more time in the Bronx than I ever had anywhere else. And uh, I went in and, and I had no clue how to teach. And I developed how to actually teach with kids that really, really needed it, like really needed it. And a great vocational high school, no football team. I didn't have any ambition nothing like that and um so i ended up uh um uh they they had said to me they said would you want to want to coach and i said i guess it's fine they said okay we have a boys volleyball team i said okay i said that's great i said whatever and they said you get paid for it too i said you do i had no clue i did not even know you get paid for like the coaching to me like i never i never thought about the fact that a coach got paid like i didn't it never dawned on me and they were like i was like okay great uh, and like, I mean, they said, well, here's the deal though. They go, um, we haven't won a game in like 10 years. Like we haven't even been close, you know, nobody comes out for the team. It's mostly girls in the school, you know, so the girls team is really good. I said, but the boys team's not very good. They don't really have a thing. I said, well, I said, well, I mean, like, I, I, great. I can't really screw this up. I said, perfect. I said, I, I, but here's the thing. I don't know anything about volleyball. I still don't know anything about volleyball to this day. And I ended up going up and, um, All of a sudden all these kids, these real tall kids come, the basketball team comes and they said, they said, Oh, we want to play volleyball. I said, what you do? And they said, yeah. So we got a new coach. We heard he, we heard he played college football. I said, how did this equation happen? I have no idea. So they ended up coming up there and, um, um i didn't know so i didn't know how to put the net up they didn't have uniforms i mean my wife would run out to the store we'd get iron on numbers we would iron the numbers on t-shirts and things like that just to get it done um you know and she still laughs to this day about that stuff now when she sees like the gear and the equipment that we have and even like our kids have and she's like remember we were ironing numbers on i go it got done the short story we went nine and three (laughs) and i i i i literally didn't know i was but the Bobby Knight of Bronx High School volleyball. I I, I was just sure, the lady would hold the card up to like give me a. I had no idea what the card I said. What does the card mean? She's like that means you're almost out of the game. I said all right, so I'm almost out. I can still start. I can still yell. I had no clue. That was my only tool. The other kids were just basically like scared. I I, I couldn't tell you what was going on. But that was me as a 23 year old, 22, 23 year old coach. And we went nine and three. And then a principal brings me into the office and says, "Hey." Uh, Really love the job you did, and I'm like, great. Can you tell me what I did? Because I have no, clue. I really do, I still don't know. I mean, I started my first practice out by reading uh, What It Takes to Be Number One by Vince Lombardi, and the kids were like, "We're gonna get more kids. This guy's great." I'm like, they still had, still have, Like, I, I was literally in the place where like almost Lombardiisms. Like, like they're like, "Do we get the volleyballs?" I'm like, "No volleyballs." You know, it's like, like very Hoosiers, like because I didn't know what to do with them. Mostly, It wasn't like some kind of big grandiose plan. I just didn't know what to do with them. So. Uh, you know, then they came in and they said, well, we'd love to develop the, J- the JV team for the girls because the girls are really good. And I said, I got a confession to make. I really have no clue what I'm doing. And if I'm going to go ahead and invest my time and be a coach, I'll go to football. And they hooked me up with somebody who said, well, this guy is actually coaching at another high school um, and he'd like to have you over there, uh, you know, if you want to go. So I went over there and I ended up starting to coach over there. Um, and, uh, you know, I went to interview and the first thing, two kids that ended up in the league later on walked in the room and I said, i take the job. They go, they go, what's the, they go, and he was two massive kids. I, like one kid, one kid looked I and mean, he was the man. He walked in the room and, and, and I said, I'll, I'll take the job. And they said, well, we didn't even offer it to you. I said, no, no matter what, I'll take the job. I, I get, can I coach them? Cause I'll, I'll come here and coach them. That's fine. <laughs> so, so we did. And they were great kids and I learned a ton there. And I went from there. I was a coordinator. I was a defensive coordinator there. And, and then the head, and then, um, and I knew what I was doing there. I mean, we—I I knew I knew how the sport worked. I didn't. I don't, I don't want to claim I know what I was doing, but I—I I, I don't. I still don't want to claim I know what I'm doing when it comes to coaching. But I will say this: I knew what that how that sport ran. But um, I just learned so much from those kids, and the relationships I still have with those kids from 20 years ago is incredible. You know, and I, we have kids that are now elected officials kids that kids are high functioning law law enforcement uh business owners i mean guys that i still talk to talk to on a regular basis um you know as a matter of fact guys i get call now and say can we have internships for our current players our kids i coached 20 years ago you know that that we do now and and they and they still call me coach which is which is nice <laughs> to have. That. First of all they still pick up the phone which is nice, but second of all if they still call me coach is even better. But um and are there's special group of kids uh that are now absolutely outstanding individuals in 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 society and that's probably what I'm most proud of but um you know head coach ended up leaving, he moved on to another job and I was kind of up for the head coaching job, I toiled around, some things happened, it didn't work and um so Through a relationship, believe it or not, that I had with somebody um, when I played high school football, uh, an opposing coach, actually, I reached out to him and it was at a school that became a rival. And I'm not going to mention because I don't think I can say the name just because I don't want to pretty much for the most part. But uh, but uh, they ended up becoming a rival. Um, he said to me, we got nothing over here for you here. I don't even know if I have a job because that actually staff was getting turned over. And he said, why don't you go to call New York Maritime College? He goes, they were starting football. So this is 2005. And um, they did. They just hired a guy, uh, Clayton Kendrick Holmes. or Kendrick Clayton Holmes, they, they, had, they didn't even know. If he had a hyphen in his name, they had no clue. So he ended up... Uh, um, Get into a place where when we did that, he, um, I there was one picture online, and and I thought he was the other guy when I got there, and we joke all the time. So I got in the room and I said, well, "Where's the other guy?" I thought he was he was you. So, uh, you know, he emails me back. He says, "Let's let's meet." Um, and he and he says, "Hey," he goes, um, um, you know, shows me around. It's a brand new program. I mean, he was by himself, and and the story on that is just great because coach over there he wanted to play football right away. He had come from the Navy prep school. Uh, he didn't want to develop it for a year. He was hired, I believe, February 14th, if I recall correctly. And he wanted to play in September. He had no kids. He had no players. He had nothing. He was going to recruit from within the campus and he wanted to play football games. He didn't want to sit there and spend a year practicing and spend a year whatever. And that's a testament to always who he is. of Somebody who wants to get something done. Um, so I walked around with him a little bit and he said to me, he, go, he called me back up. He said, um, i'd like to bring you on my staff he goes the only issue is i don't have any money for you right now um you know because i he said i had like a twenty thousand dollar budget for my whole staff he goes i hired a bunch of guys and he's from Al- and the best part is he's from alabama and he's in new york city so he had no he didn't know anybody uh he's 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 all over the place with that kind of stuff um and so i you know i said well i i married and with a kid. Now I said, I have at least have to ask if I'm going to devote time here. And again, my vision for what college football was and the, uh, you know, the grind that that was going to be while also teaching, I I had to at least, you know, you know, ask my wife for that one. And, uh, she said, listen, she goes, I don't know how many times you're you're going to get an opportunity to go into it. She goes, you know, um, so you never, you're, you don't want to go back and not have tried to go into it. She goes, you know, the worst thing that happens is you spend the season it doesn't work out it's not for you and you do something else i said but you're not going to go ahead and uh, and uh, and i think my, my i believe my daughter at the time was one i believe my wife was also in a master's program at the same time while working and my daughter was one and we were commuting all over the globe and i was teaching at the same time too so it's never easy that was never an easy it's never an easy. still not easy but uh um, um now they just drive us and that's harder than anything, <laughs> but, uh, but you get to a point where, uh, um, you know, she, she was supportive of it. She said, you got to go through with it. And I said, and uh, we've always been up front. That's probably always, she's probably my, my biggest ally and my biggest, uh, 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 uh constructive criticism person at the same time. And I said, you know, I got to go all in. I said, you know, uh, you know how I'm going to rock. I'm not going to be like whatever she says. I know she goes, just, just do it. She goes and, and we'll find out what it is on the other side. And, um, you know, the first year we were God awful, you know, we were won a game. It was great, but we were, we were awful. We, you know, and we were in survival mode, um, you know, and then two or three years later, you know, I ended up staying on, we had some other staff changes, you know, he really wanted to change it over. I became defensive coordinator over there while still teaching. And then, um, you know, a couple of years later we were in the national playoffs. So we went from to from 2005 where, uh, we were, um, um, you know, in not, not in existence to 2010 where we were 10-0 and 0 in the regular season, playing in the national playoffs and um, getting in because of the, circ, the circumstances coach had um, – uh, he was active military um, and he was deployed uh, to Afghanistan right at the end of the season. So, you know, ESPN picked up a story too and some stuff like that. So um, I, I learned a lot from that, you know, from from what you could do when you really want to do it. And it goes back to my whole story about motivation is – you know, the, the, what you can do when you really, really, really want to do it and a group of people collectively are unwilling to take no for an answer or unwilling to, uh, to, 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 to lose in the face of it. And many times that season that that happened. Um, I think though, the other side of it is the, uh, um, you know, from there we ended up in, uh, um, you know, a couple of years later, uh, know we always talked about it, the, uh, the disease of more kind of thing where we were winning. And then, you know, it kind of got to a place where we wanted to challenge ourselves more and do some different things. So, um, you know, I ended up from there, uh, and I probably could have stayed there for a lot longer. Um, but I knew that place inside and out and the development of it, but we kind of decided it was time that I'd do something different. And then I ended up going over to Nassau community college, um, because it was a real change of pace as, as to what, what, what I was doing, with a different kind of athlete and a different kind of circumstance. And I coached over there for, for a season which was really one of the more eye-opening and unbelievable experiences that I've ever had. Uh, it was closer to me, closer on Long Island, but to see the, the talent level of an athlete and to work with some of the caliber of some of the coaches and all of those coaches were really part-time so everybody was kind of working in Joe Ossevett was the head coach and and uh, he's now at University of Tennessee, he moved on to a couple different places when the University of Tennessee. Um, And it was, he's definitely, if you knew, if anybody knows Joe Osfoot, he's definitely the opposite of Clayton Kendrick Holmes, but in a a unique way, but they just bring so much to the table, uh, both of them. And then, um, and, you know, traveling, uh, um, from New York to Texas on a bus and New York to Georgia on a bus uh, versus guys that, you know, are still playing in the league now. It was an unbelievable experience, but just to see it, it, just the practices beyond the games, the practices day in and day out to play against some really high level coaches, like with some high level players, like you learned more and more about it. But, uh, you know, there's stuff that like you learn there because of, and you watch this last chance, you, and you watch some of these things and, I mean, but to live that world where like, you're like, you know, what are you eating today? You know, like that kind of thing, like those kind of things it really changed my perspective on like what kids, what the needs are, you know, and what the, what the priorities are for, for kids and get them right. And there's still some great, unbelievable kids from, from there that we stay in touch with as well. Um, and then, you know, I kind of, from there you look and you say like, you know, when am I going to have like a chance to go and be a head coach? you know, like you kind of, and I think we always had that. So you've been coordinator, you've been linebacker coach, you've done some things, you've been up for awards, you've done all these little things here and there. And you're kind of like, where am I at this crossroads? You know, just about 40 years old. Like, you know, what does it mean to like be up there and be like that head coach? And so I kind of like looked and you you look and see like, who gets interviews and how does this process even work? And it's a a very interesting process when you really look at it. And um, I kind of came to realize like, you know, you need some like higher level experience. Like you need to be in like the FCS. So that disease of more kind of gets in there too, where, where you, you go. So um, yeah, I, you 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 network and you roll and you try to get you try to get things going. And anyway, if you look it up on a map of where it was, but I went from uh, the eastern end of Long Island to um, the most pretty much the most furthest college football experience that I could have, which was Wagner College, where I went to college while still working in the Bronx and in in, in the education field during the day. So that loop is probably 120 miles a day. So that just, just to go back and forth and um, but what we did there was I I really worked as like a program analyst and what is a program analyst? I still don't know because it really isn't a job. It's not, it's, it's, you know, I was able to kind of be involved with the program. Um, Some of the times didn't work. So I was able to kind of support different things at different levels, but you know, it's a job. It was a job in a place that I worked for that somebody allowed me to do because I wanted to get it done. And the bottom line was, is like you know, you beat the door down and you look at every thing. Can I do this? You take and you, you, you package all these things you have to offer, and you're able to say, you know what, let's go ahead and do. Like, can you know, let's let's do. Let's can I can I do this? And you present it and you break in like this because the one thing about. There's so many rules at the, at the at the FCS level, at those higher levels as to who can coach, who can recruit, who can do stuff. And, you know, a lot of times I back off and I may even back off sometimes even when we're talking right now, just because I don't want to ever break that rules, right? I don't want to break that rules because you don't ever supersede what your role is. Um, but the thing is, is like, you know, there's always work to be done and there's always and they're always looking for people to do that work. So I had said, let me go ahead and try to present this opportunity to a couple people and uh coach Haas who's now at Colgate but he was at Wagner at the time you know he wasn't my coach he's younger than me I like he likes to point that out uh as so but uh um he doesn't look younger than me though if he does listen to this you don't look younger than me but the uh <laughs> but the <laughs> but the uh I just talked to him before so it's, it's fine. but um uh, but the, uh, and he's at Colgate now, so we play against him. So it's even more fun. But the thing is the, um, um, you know, the thing is with, uh, with, with that, with that scenario, um, you know, he took me in there and he allowed me to work. He allowed me to work. He allowed me to do what I do. And it, and it, and again, it materialized into something else. It materialized into something else, um, to the point where, you know, I really built up the relationship with the coordinator and I was really working very closely with him. And I understood what that, how different that level was from the division three level that I was at on a daily basis. I understood the difference of what that recruiting looked like as opposed and what the timeline and recruiting looked like from there to there. Right. And what the needs of the players were and how money gets allocated and how really, you know, obviously we all preach the thing where academics and graduation are important, but now it becomes accountable, which is totally different now. And about like, you know, what, what happens there and, and the nature of, really a scholarship athlete, the, the the demand on a scholarship athlete about being accessible to the coach. You know, coach calls you the office. You got you to gotta, you gotta get down to the office. You know I mean? It's not – in Division three. you don't have to – you can't do it. You can say, well, I, I can't make it, you know, <laughs> because you're not on scholarship. There's a lot you can kind of go with. So it's a good experience. And I underst- – to me, on a daily basis, and I think for me, I got a little bit more because I had taken the back seat from play calling and the back seat from the planning side – I, took, I got more of an opportunity to see the recruiting side. I got more of an opportunity to see the operations side. And by doing that, I think that prepared me for really what was next. Now, the weird part about the whole story with me is because being in the Bronx, you know, I wanted to get to Fordham University. I, I, I had always dreamed of doing it. It was something that you know, I, I have a passion for the Bronx that I developed over years. And you know, to be on the other side of that gate, I think it's a really special thing. And and I'm, every time that I go for a run on campus or something, I look over that. I think about the 20 years it took me to get on the other side of the gate. And, you know, when we're bringing kids into that side of it, how special that really is. Um, and where we sit in, in in New York City and where we sit in the Bronx. But the, um, you know, I got on there um, because of some of the, like I said, who can and who can't. You know, special teams quality control is my role. And I'm able to kind of do some other things where, you know i'm able to move around a little bit and there's a brand new staff so there's a lot of people feeling each other out which is which is great and um but you know i got there for a spring and then in the fall clayton kendrick holmes who uh i guess I like coach common brought me into that place and he trusted me to bring me in and, and uh just as a side note of the whole thing so i get a call in august that coach holmes goes to armed west point where he's um In in like really an administrative role, an off field role right now. It's not a director of operations, more of a chief of staff, Coach Monk. But he, right, he he said I I am I'm taking this job right before the season, and he said, "Um, you know, you you know, I'm letting you know ahead of time because you know we always stayed in touch, and it was never any hard feelings about leaving. But and he says uh, basically the bottom line was he said, you know. I don't really know, you know, there's a couple people that have been here with him that weren't available, but he also said, he says, you know, the place he goes, you can make this place run. And, you know, the funny part was, i always went and talk tackling with coach because I'm very into tackling. I'm very into that side of the analytics of it. Um, you know, that's who, that's probably one of the biggest things people know me for, but uh, and then, you know, and each year, like people didn't realize I went back and we cliniced on stuff like that, you know, privately, just me and him. So I went in, he says, come in, I need to see you. And it was right before the end of the season. And it was one of those deals, Clayton's a good vacation guy. So it was one of those, like the season was just about to start. So I'm like, yeah, typical Clayton. He just needs, last minute, he needs me to come in right away. Because he's probably got two days in town. He's probably doing military service. He's probably probably doing some other stuff. So he sits me down and I'm sitting there getting ready to go ahead and go over everything. I'm pulling out PowerPoint, whatever. He goes, I got to tell you something. I said, well, that was different from what I thought was going to happen. But, you know, and I wish him luck and everything. And he obviously said he wanted to see if I had any kind of interest in doing it. And again, I had to go back to, you know, who and say, you know, what do you think? And she said, again, my wife said, you wanted to do this and you never, you never thought it was going to happen and you may never happen again. So you got to do it and you got to get it done. You have to do it. And again, you'll, you'll go ahead and figure out if you want to do this and how you want to go with it. But Fun part was I was still in the schools at the time, so I was still head coach of a college football program and in schools at the same time. So, you know, we we did what we needed to do. We ended up winning seven games that year. Um, with five days to prepare, we won seven games. And then uh, from there, we, um, um, you know, they went to a national search and they wanted to go in a direction they wanted to go into. And truthfully, it was fine, it was fine with me because I ended up needing to – I went back and thankfully, you know, coach Conlon was very supportive of me going over to maritime uh, to be the head coach. Cause he understood what it took to take that opportunity. And he was a brand new head coach too. Um, and then he took me back into the, into the program at Fordham. And over there now I've had an opportunity to really get deep into really the operation side of it, really understanding what it's like to be, you know, you fast forward and all of a sudden it's 20 years later and you're the old guy at the table kind of thing. So, <laughs> and you're kind of like, Oh, they weren't really around in the nineties. <laughs> so, and, uh, and you were, and um, it's great to see, it's great to see the, it's great to see the energy that, that, that another generation brings. It's great to be, you know, sometimes where you look and go, Hmm, that's a different way to think about that. Cause the game has changed. Like, you know, that's the one constant is the game. Um, not, not the people in it uh, and not the people and not the people's attitudes. So everybody says, you know, I'm old school, you know? You're old school. That means you're unemployed, you know. <laughs> like I mean, that's probably you got to change with the times of this stuff. Um, it's very f- infrequent people that are just 100% haven't adapted to what the game is, um, and uh, and that's that's probably um, that's what makes it probably the best the best game going. It, it, I think the best game going just because of that. So I mean, I'm sure, sure I think I think I gave you the whole thing.
0: <laughs> I don't know what else
1: <laughs> is there.
0: Well, hey, I appreciate it. That was a long, that was a winding journey there. And the fact that you were able to do it while you were still in, in the school system was pretty amazing.
1: Right. And I still am. And yeah. uh, we work with students that are placed on suspension, mm-hmm. um, we, in, in rooms like that around the Bronx and stuff. And, and, and as much as passion as you have for the game, you have passion for them. Um, you know, you can change the trajectory of a kid's life. Um, so it's, it's a really great, a great, great position to be in. Um,
0: it's tough sometimes, but it's a great position to be in. So. <laughs> uh, you mentioned you, you, you were a teacher. Uh, what, what subjects did you teach? Um, mostly history
1: and a history okay. license.
0: This episode was brought to you in part by Knack Bags. Knack was created to make it easier for multitasking mobile professionals to get from point A to point B without lugging a bunch of bags. Their multi-purpose products combine the best features for, of a stylish daily use computer backpacks with a patent pen Hidden compartment that you can easily access, expand and pack like a suitcase whenever you need extra space for travel, the gym, or anywhere your life takes you. You can find NAC products exclusively at knackbags.com. Listeners of the Armchair Coaching podcast can check the description of this episode below to find a special link to go to buy, purchase NAC products. I want to thank Coach Anthony Stone for the opportunity to be a contributing author to his new magazine the Coach Stone Football Coaching Magazine, From the Field to Football Podcasts, Coaching in the Digital Era. This is a great opportunity for me to get out there and grow the community of the podcast. Uh, So if you're looking for some free football content, go ahead and follow the link that I'm going to provide in the description of this episode below. Uh, And you're going to get some free stuff uh, from including from me, from Coach Steve from the Coach Steve Show, Coach P.J. Davis from the Shavehead Podcast, uh, Coach Matt Barkley, Bartley from the Game Records and Slobber Knockers Podcast, Coach Nick Banstra from his Kick and Cover Podcast, the Gap Down Backer Podcast, and also Coach Dustin Mills from the Anchor Down Podcast, as well as many others in the future. So if you are interested in free football content, and most of us coaches are, do us a huge favor and follow the link and like and subscribe to this magazine. It will help us out tremendously. Thank you. And but
1: uh, that's kind of another deal too. What what had happened was we, um, uh, you know, I taught all the levels of history, the globals, the the, the U.S.s, and then uh, we actually and and then the you know whatever and, and in New York State it was government and in economics. I'm not sure what it, that does in senior year, but one of the things that would ended up happening, which which is kind of a whole other side of it too, was. We had created this program called Virtual Enterprise, which was the, uh, as part of like an international, a Virtual Enterprise International, where kids do business plans and trade fairs and whatever. And side note, I actually was given a program where the lady the first day said to me, she goes, if you don't turn the program around, we're, we're dropping it. And I said, well, there's only one thing to do, we turn the program around. And we ended up taking kids and getting them into business plan competitions. And they were at, you know, Deloitte and Touche and, um f- Everybody always jokes about my stores. I was at Bear Stearns and they had collapsed. And my kids were actually giving, the, were giving a presentation on their like mock business plan when the stock folded. Mm-hmm. And I never saw the amount of food come into a building. I felt like I was on like, the Titanic and they were like trying to play the music to keep everybody kind of calm. The food was coming in. And I said, "These kids, the kids were looking and going, wow, they got a lot of food here. Uh, they, they do a great job. I said, something's not right. we got to get out of here. <laughs> and they came in the room and they told us, they said, you, you – it's not a great day because we were going into the boardroom okay. they had just presented and then we we're going back into the boardroom to question. I think there was no boardroom by the time we were done mm-hmm. presenting. So we were actually there at the time, but it was an unbelievable experience. I always joked and I said, it was, it was a, the program that would have made me want to go to school as a kid, <laughs> you know, is that, and because it, it was really practical learning and mm-hmm. that's why I've always had a special place for students that are not motivated and need to be motivated because I was that student. I was that student. And, uh, you know, as much as my parents worked to try to make me not that student, I think there's a lot, it doesn't matter which circumstances are. I think that you, you, sometimes you don't have it and you need somebody to understand that you don't have it. So we work very closely with that population and we continue to try to um, find ways for them to, you know, make a difference.
0: Yeah. I used to, uh, my first three years of teaching, I was at a, uh, I'm in Northern Virginia, so I'm close to DC and we're not quite, you know, city. You know, we have what we call cities. We have Manassas nearby. We have Woodbridge nearby. You guys probably don't. Most people don't know where that is.
1: I, actually, but, I absolutely do because of the uh, in the conference I was in. We we I, I used to recruit most of the DMV area amount of time too. But also okay. not only that, but um, knowing the uh, um, uh, guy that we used to play. Oh yeah, uh, we, mm-hmm. used to, we used to visit Walter Reed. I mean, we used to go to you know Arlington. And we used to go to all those different places, Alexandria. We used to roll around in there too. But obviously, from recruiting, absolutely. But then uh, also the, the affiliations and some of the mutual people that we know uh, down there a little bit, though. But yeah. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah, and the school. I, I'm I'm going to keep the name off the podcast because you know I still respect the people who are there, and I don't want to talk bad about them. But you know, they had a reputation for not being a great school, and it was kind of a culture shock for me because I came from a, I came from a school where there was high academics and teaching there. I had to learn a whole new system of, you know, how to deal with kids and most of them were not motivated. They weren't motivated for academics, but I was able to find ways for to motivate them through practical means. Like how can you practically use the information that we're going to use? How can you, you know, take this into the real world? Cause I teach science I taught bio- biology. My kids were like, well, I'm never going to use this in real life. I'm like, do you know how much biological information you need to know as an adult? You yeah. need to know a lot. <laughs> if you <have> a kid. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, and so I tried to, the information that was not quote practical information, but they wanted to know for state tests. I tried to keep that to a minimum as we know it, you know, but we didn't like kind of try to beat it down their heads, but yeah, it's different world. I completely understand where you're coming from. Uh, you know, y- you were more of like a real city, m- more inner city than I am, but um, similar problems, I would think. Kids are kids. So. At
1: the end of the day, kids are kids. You know, yeah. they all
0: have a lot of burdens.
1: It's really tough. And obviously kids now obviously need even more support. Uh, in the wake of what we're all kind of working with and the transitions that we're making, the instant transition, the, on the, on the fly transitions we're making in education right now are obviously leaning for kids that need even more support, no matter where you're from, no matter what your support system is, you need, you need help. And, oh yeah. And, and that's where um, we all just need to, you know, it'll change. It'll change over time. And that's, like I said, that's another constant. And, and uh, you, know, <laughs> I, you know, one thing we always hammer home is like, and even in coaching it's mm-hmm. um, um, we're only here because they are like Uh you know and that's the thing so you know if there's no there's no players there's no coaches if there's no students there's no teachers so i mean Mm -hmm. we're only here because they are so you know our priority is them and if we we try to maintain as much focus as we can on them in in light of a lot of Mm -hmm. other things that happen and that's where you know we all lose focus Mm -hmm. human nature some of us care who got you know when things go bad in a in a staff locker in a staff room and People go, where'd you get that shirt? I didn't get that shirt in my gear pack. You know, like those things become important. You just got to minimize those, those noisy things, and you have to go back to the uh, um, the reality, which is which is the players and and the thing that you set out to do.
0: Definitely. Um, Before the podcast started, we kind of joked around with this question because you have a a little bit different background than most of the college coaches that I've talked to before. Um, like the question's basically what's the daily life of a division one coach like um, because most of our co- most of our listeners are high school coaches, most of them. Um, and they like to know this information. Uh, what's it like for you? Cause you have an interesting situation because you're still in education.
1: I kind of can give you the layout of what it usually looks yeah. like in the places that I've been. And you kind of fill in the blanks. I mean, the biggest thing that I'm always conscious of is the clock and, and always like where I'm, so who I, I always used to have a joke because I, you know, the work that I've done sometimes I used to wear a lot of polos with logos. And before I introduced myself, I always looked down to see who am I in this scenario when I introduce myself because you (laughs) you go from, (laughs) I'm Vince Dicatano from blank university, or I'm Vince Dicatano from blank school, you know, or from this organization or whatever it is. But I was always joked because I would pause I would take a breath and I would look down before I introduced myself just to remember exactly when I introduced myself, who I was. <laughs> so I'm not the barometer uh, for that, but I think it's important. And, you know, it's, we patterned ourselves, and I can almost, almost give you the answer here, what we did when I was the head coach, because we patterned ourselves a lot around the format that we had as, as like an FCS program. And not to say that we didn't do that when I was a vision three before I was there, but Having had the experience of being at Wagner and then being shortly at Fordham before being over there, and, and I will say this: even Coach Osweiler over at, 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 at uh, Nassau, he ran it like a Division One program. So he was very adamant about that, um, and he studied that too. But you know, routinely, you know, a lot of times you're going to end up. It depends in season or off season, but it's mostly in season. Um, most teams are going to most situations are going to start with a morning staff meeting everybody kind of does it somewhat differently. Now everybody kind of does does the, the operation somewhat differently. And, um, you know, we end up with a lot of situations where it's going to lay out the, the day for the most part. Um, you know, it really depends on like the, where the head coach is with that stuff. But usually most days are going to start off with a staff meeting. And it's going to go from that to side of ball. You know, you'll split up the side of ball from there. And then really it's, it's in-season versus off-season what you're going to do and or spring ball or whatever the case is going to be um from there and then from there uh there's usually a lot of time like in the middle where you're working independently and i'll say the majority of that time is spent on recruiting it's spent on recruiting because you're always in a phase where recruiting is is really the priority of wherever you wherever you are or wherever you're not to kind of get that kind of like right in there too um you know, we had, you know, it's so important obviously to maintain a healthy lifestyle. So there's a lot of time to obviously work out, eat, you know, do those, those kind of things too. But it really is a a big portion of the day in the middle of it is about after your independent work, it's really about, really about getting ready for the next meeting that you're going to be in, or it's about going to be about recruiting. I mean, really a lot of that's going to end up being the case. Um, You know, from there, so, you know, if on, a day, if on a day you're doing normal downs and first and second down, then all of a sudden the next day you know it's going to be third down, you're going to be there. Now, and there's always work to do. So it's always that, you know, maybe you have to tag up an, an opponent, you know, an, an opponent you have film on for two weeks from now. But you're always – the turnaround is just so specific. Like once, like, Sunday comes, like you've got to be in that scenario where you're ready to roll. So there's that. And then, you know, from there, you usually do get back together at some point in time, you are know, gonna come together on something specific. Um, and then a lot of time in the afternoon is if it's, you know, again, working around practice times and working around things of that nature, you know, if you're in season and obviously you're getting ready for practice. And then if you're, um, um, and then after post-practice, you're coming in, you're watching film, you're watching game film, you're watching practice film, you're going through every single play. That's probably the biggest difference where, where I was, you know, at the FCS level as opposed to division three is that you're really going to come back in and really specifically grade like every single practice rep. And then you're going to continue to watch like the next day. You'll get that going into like, into like a little bit more of the evening too. Um, You know, as opposed to we probably did not because, and I'll say this too, it's not necessarily because we couldn't, was a resource, but just because the turnaround on some of the video stuff and be able to get it up, probably didn't have the detailed amount of time to watch as much practice film as we needed to to see where we were. Had to do that a little bit more independently, and then breaking down stuff and then being able to go ahead and like discuss stuff the next day. So, that's a big part of it too. um And again, that's really like the in-season piece, a little bit of the spring ball, but it's materialized. But it changes by days. You know, some days you're in, some days you're out. Some days you can kind of like, you know get on recruiting a little bit earlier, like things like that, because that's really a different season, a different tempo, and different flow to the season. Uh, and then, um, you know, like within that too, you have to always realize, you know, players are always, they're in lifts, they're in training sessions, they're in all sorts of different things that they're in in the course of the day, as opposed to Division Three, where a portion of your staff might be the strength staff you know so now like you know now you're trying to like you're holding lifts so you don't really have the full time staff that's there you don't really have the opportunity that's there and it's not running like that so those things aren't running independently so you don't have the the amount of time to spend on some of those things and you know depending on the timeline now that all changes and then basically um, you know from there you're just really in the in the rhythm of it more than anything else but i think that it it really doesn't differ much from a lot of the scenarios the difference is how detailed you get. I think that more than anything else is like watching and specifically watching more practice film and really watching more specific cut-ups and making sure that you have answers to variables that you probably didn't have at like lower level, division three level or high school level. And that's probably the most important thing too, is like, you know, it's really easy to go down a road sometimes when you're watching some high level guys clinic you know, because it's really easy to go down a, a path where you, you think you can kind of get all that done. And sometimes you don't need all that. You don't you don't need it all because you're probably not seeing all the variables that they're seeing. And everybody talks about this whole, well, their players are better. and yeah, It's true, yeah, but it's all probably relative as to, like, where we are on levels. Probably we all have, you know, they all have one or two really. You know, they all don't get drafted. You, know, you go look at these high-level places, they have a ton of first-rounders, right? They're all not first rounders. You know, there's a lot of guys in the league. Absolutely. But a lot of that development happens because of the value of the strength program, because of the details that they coach, you know, because they recruited some high level kids out of high school that were kind of, you know, ready to go. So, I mean, there's not, there's a lot of different reasons that those they become that, but we all have a couple really good players, (laughs) you know, like, and we all have, you know, we all know who, who, who that is. It's just a matter of, trying to get them in the right spot. I think that's where you spend more time than anything else on. Not not as much as what you run, but how do I get my best guys where I need to get them, you know, on, on all sides of the ball, on, you know, in all phases of the game. So I think that that's probably – you. You. the rhythm of it probably is not that different. The thing – I mean, there's only so much you can do on the checklist, but you do spend a lot more time at that level in recruiting because you have to be – really right i mean you know you're giving money you have to be really right in these situations and especially when it comes to the accountability of it you have to be you have to be right in who your selection is and 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 you have to not only be right but you also you have to recruit them you know what i mean somebody else to recruit them too so you, you got to be able to to make sure you're investing the time in the right people uh, and and uh, it's one thing i think that um coach common uh, uh, leads this staff does a phenomenal job of is um, always making sure to pinpoint the right people and being very genuine with them. Um, But it's through evaluation. It's through a really tough evaluation that you're gonna get to. Um, And everybody's kind of different in how they evaluate. Everybody's a little different in how they evaluate, but, um, and what they're looking for, and you see all the time, you know, how'd they pass on this kid, how'd they pass on this kid, and the kid becomes great. Happens, happens a lot of
0: times, right? But, you know, a lot of that is development too, you know, so. So, uh, speaking of, of evaluation, another question I had—you uh, hear the term quality control coach a lot nowadays. Uh, more so, I would say you hear that more so now than you did in the past. At least I do. Uh, and so, you are currently at Fordham University, right? And yeah. you are the uh, special teams quality control. Assistant. You know, the
1: story was long. It's hard to remember where I was. Sometimes I forget too. Right?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I know where I'm here now, though. That's a, yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, so can you kind of like, you know, for the listeners who don't really know what that is and what that job entails, uh, could you kind of describe like your daily schedule with that job and what your duties are as a quality control coach?
1: I'm always very unique in like, cause but, but with that stuff, I mean, but the basic stuff of it too, when you look at, you know, uh, in the special team side, you're, you're, you're first of all, like you're making sure that within the span of practice, that we're – because especially for special teams, we, we have such a small window, a 10- to 15-minute window that, you know, and Coach Fogarty, who's our special team coordinator, does a, a phenomenal job and, of, of making sure to illustrate pre-practice for our players and illustrate for coaches what the field is going to look like for special teams. So for the most part, you know – and that's not my only role with it, but what ends up happening is you make sure that as we transition from place to place, you make sure everything's set where it needs to go. And then obviously you're making sure the drills are running on time, they're running accurately, that people have what they need, um, that, that they're going because it's, it's an all-hands-on-deck all kind of scenario when it comes to special teams drills. And a lot of times when it ends up very – one thing I learned is, um, you know, it's a funny story about small jobs, right? You know, one of the things – one of the first things that I did with uh, Ford when I got there the first time before I became head coach of Maritime was uh, I set the clock. Right, and I kind of was like, Man, I've been around a while. I'm, I'm like, gotta be somebody else who can set the clock. And I said, I said, like, Okay, I'm setting the clock. And I said, Fine, right? So, it was just, I, I but here's the funny part I never set the clock before. So, so I've been coaching for like 18 years. I never set the clock before, I didn't know how to do it. So, I learned how to set the clock, right? So, um, the funny part of that story is that then I'm come fast forward about a month or two, I'm head coach of marathon. Guess what. I set the clock, and and, and I was head coach. And, and and the thing was, is that had I not embraced every part of what I had to do, whether it's making sure we have cones where they need beanies where they have, whatever the case may be, I wouldn't have understood how the operation was, and I would have had my first practice without a clock on the field. You know, I would have not had the clock running because I I wouldn't have known how to do it. But I walked up in the booth, and at maritime, and I said, no problem. Hit this button. Hit this button. You know, go great. So you go. Bye. Like i was a pro and everybody's was like you know oh he knows what he's doing you know but had we not had a clock it would have been you know you're leading a team and they go look at this new guy he doesn't because i didn't know those kids they said he don't even know how to set the clock you know what i mean like that kind of thing but you know there's small tasks like that and then there's larger tasks when it comes to scouting reports out of it um a lot of the breakdown the data entry part of it too um you know and then on game day there's uh there's a lot of timing when it comes to that, a lot of timing with snaps, a lot of, a lot of looking at, you know, pre-practice about win position, about things like that, and uh, knowing what the range is for everybody, knowing where you got to get to, and then making sure, like working with coach uh, to support him specifically on game day of what he, where eyes need to be, and, uh, you know, who's just as simple as who caught the ball, who's making a tackle, who blocked to kind of thing, like on game day, things like that. Uh, but that goes back into knowing that really, really a lot of the quality control is about feeding information, feeding and charting information. I'm I'm in the very fortunate position where special teams are only a portion of plays a game. So, um, you know, uh, so I have some flexibility to be able to help out a little bit more on the defensive side of football um, and kind of help out the guys who support on that side too. And, and coach Rice does a great job with the defense. So um, that, that's helpful too. It, it's qualified as an off the field role. So, um, but I've, as I've come to learn, you know, the operation side and, and I help a little bit with the operation side of it too is, is so critical. It's so critical to making a practice flow and, 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 and it doesn't matter. We all get points. The whole entire operation gets points for the ball getting over the line. Right. And they, and and that's it. It doesn't matter what, you know, they didn't go well, you know, cone guy doesn't get it you know this clock guy doesn't get it or you know he don't get the point if you're wearing the emblem you're wearing the logo on a Saturday everybody gets points for the for the operation and it is a lot you you really think about everything that goes into during the course of a week um, what goes into getting the ball over the line Um, there's so much that goes into it but you know like I said the quality control side of it too. And leagues are different how they do it and levels are different how they do it. And there's a lot of different ways to kind of slice that. Um, And there's no, no two ways really look alike, but a lot of it is really about the preparation and planning
0: um, of it too. So. Uh, You mentioned within your story that you spent some time as a defensive coordinator. Um, I have spent time, On the defensive side of the ball as well, I was a linebackers coach for the past two seasons, and I spent a lot of time with our current head coach. This episode is brought to you in part by High and Tight Footballs. High and Tight Footballs are the world's only self-contained, pressure-measuring, multi-sensory, instant, audible feedback training footballs on the market. They have been used by NFL Hall of Fame players, NFL coaches, collegiate All-Americans, and players at all levels. Listeners of the Armchair Coaching Podcast can actually receive a 10% discount on any products purchased from High and Tight by using the discount link below in the description and by using the discount code ACP. Make sure you type in ACP at checkout to get a 10% discount on any items purchased from HighandTight.com. This episode is brought to you in part by Second Skull. Second Skull is a protective headgear company focused on helping to keep athletes safe and to help keep athletes on the field participating in the sports that they love. Their products are patented, tested, and proven to reduce direct and rotational impacts to the head. Their technology is trusted by several athletic organizations and the United States military. Their pro cap is designed with the grant from the National Football League. This protective skull cap is the ultimate in thin, lightweight, and breathable protection. The Pro Cap is comparable to other skull caps that do not offer such protection, measuring at just 2 millimeters thick and weighing less than 2.4 ounces. The Pro Cap improves protection for all players when worn under their helmet and is perfect for football, baseball, hockey, and lacrosse. Their Pro Band is designed in collaboration with professional players and clubs in Spain. This protective headband provides superior protection with an aesthetic and athletic look. The Pro Band has a unique five panel construction with a reinforced forehead panel to deliver a natural feel and ultimate ball control at just four millimeters thick and a weight of 1.4 ounces. The Pro Band provides protection for all players in non helmeted sports and activities and is ideal for soccer athletes. Listeners of the Armchair Coaching Podcast can go to secondskull.com and save 20% on any products purchased from that website with the discount code ARMCHAIR. That's A-R-M-C-H-A-I-R in all caps. Coach, who is also the defensive coordinator learning scheme. Uh, and he was t- basically, he was preparing me to become a defensive coordinator at one point. Uh, it just didn't work out that way because I decided to go to the offensive side of the ball. But I, I, hey, I learned a lot. And if, if any of your listeners are still listening right now, uh, if you're an offensive coach and you haven't coached the defensive side of the ball, you need to. Take a couple of years, go to the defensive side of the ball. You'll understand offense ten times better than you did before. Um, I wouldn't take away that learning experience for anything. Yeah. And so I, I'm always interested in hearing about your people's thoughts on defensive uh, schemes. Now we were we were a 33 stack four two five type defense. Um, what t- what type of defense did you run? And do you have any like? favorite defenses that you really like? So I'll say this.
1: We were mostly – when I was coordinator, we were four down Mm -hmm. and mostly 4-3. Probably, if you look at it now, we'd probably be in the 4-2-5-ish world. Um, But I will say to you this because, you know, one of the things – and I went from high school where I was running a 4-3 defense based on what I ran in college because I really didn't have a lot of professional development – I still have somewhere around here a bin that I refuse to throw away of all the notes I took as a high school coach. Um, there's a lot of other stuff that gets thrown away, but there's the, like I won't throw that away. And every so often I look into it and I go, this was important. To me. Like I clipped this article. Like I kind of like, this is where my priority was. So, you know, you're developing these things and you're kind of coming up with stuff and our football IQ for a lot of those kids was probably a little low at the time coaching in the high school. Um, but we had some great athletic kids and, it was fine, and we, and we and we 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 gave them enough language that we were made. They were able to, to really comprehend it and really play fast. And when I went to college, um, and became a coordinator, I said we need to do something that I'm familiar with. We need to be in a place, and you know, Clayton, he always made an observation, like even like Paul Johnson and the guys like that. They go, they they never the ops triple option guys never really wear headsets. He goes because they just want to know who made the tackle, and if they know who made the tackle, they know what play to call next. And I kind of was like, you know what? That's the information. That's the kind of way I need to approach football. I need to approach football that I know where my what my what my the way my thing is supposed to run, and that when it becomes vulnerable, I know how to fix it. I know why it, why it didn't run that way. And I got I was more heavily like a four three four, three base type guy, four, two, five kind of base type guy. And as we dabbled in all this other stuff, we really at the time were more of a cover three team. We were just a cover three team. We found different ways to get to cover three, a very basic way. And with very basic rules. And we found that it was more than, and then we started to add in some very simple pressures that married up with it. Um, And we found we were extremely effective because we just, we knew how to line up and play. We knew how to line up and play. Um, when I went to, when I went to Nassau, we ran the four, two, five, very similar to what a lot of people are doing now. And I understand. Then I, I took the step back and just coached the linebackers. So I understood the details. The more that I've gotten into stuff, the less I probably have my own identity. And I think that's okay right now because I don't need to have an identity personally. Um, but you, you look at, and then we, cause we were three down at Wagner and, I understand and that was my, pr- I think I want to say that was probably my first formal education, like formal education. And like, this is how a system runs back to back to back. And we had always had a component, you know, a little doubt. Da- everybody kind of gets, well, we run a little bit of this and we run a little bit of that. You don't, you don't really, you don't run a little bit of this. You, you gotta marry it up to what you do. And, and that's probably the biggest thing was like, I used to say, oh, we run a little three down and then, you know, like like you dance it out there and everybody knew what you were about to do. Cause it was pretty blatant. And you, and you really didn't invest in it. So it wasn't great. So now kind of the way I look at it now is I'm going to base out of something and I'm going to have an identity out of something, whether it's four down or three down. And and if you ask me you know, like 100%, if I had to make a decision, I don't know if I could right now, where I would start. I would probably look very closely at like what types of kid and kind of personnel that I have in the program. And then, but in the same respect, I would look at it for, for what kind of kids we're going to get over a period of time. I think, you know, the safe to say, at the time I was a coordinator at Maritime, we had a lot of defensive end types. Right? We had a lot of defensive end types. And we were we were we 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 knew we weren't going to get a ton of interior kids. And I don't think you know there's a lot of not a lot of interior kids. Um and we had a lot of kids that were like, you know, you know the questionnaire, fullback linebacker. There's fullback linebacker and guard linebacker. Different guy. Right. So you know, especially at that level, which is nothing wrong with that. But you understand, you say like, that kid's not really a linebacker. He's more of a, like a down lineman. He's got to put his hand on the ground. He's more of a defensive end. So the biggest thing for us was the ability to build depth, you know? So it was like, we're going to get the, you know, we're not going to go ahead and run a defense where, because we believe in it, we're going to build depth out of it. And we're going to, we're going to recruit to that depth. And once we recruit to that depth, you know, we create a competition in the program. Once we create a competition in the program, like I said before, I to you about, like, Coach Oz, like, practice was, was – you learned more in practice than you did, like, from gameplay. Because not saying anything wrong with an opponent because I definitely respect the opponent, but you guys practiced harder when they knew it wasn't just one guy. You know, and, and like, like you know, you're, you're, you're not prone to schedule a class during that time when you know somebody else is going to step in there and be able to take the reps from you too. So um, I think that that's kind of where it came from. But my biggest thing now is that um I wouldn't be against three down because I think you there there does not obviously need to be very variation and growing up a little bit more and understanding the details. Believe it or not, we actually went to when we went to Maritime in the short period of time, we went to we went to three down. You know, we went to three down and ran we were running a little bit more at Wagner, but um but if I had to one hundred percent, what is my identity, I probably don't. I probably couldn't even answer that at this point, just because uh it really I think depends on the situation. It depends on the situation, and you know. And I think people know. You know, you have twenty-five kids on a roster. Or you're in a high school. I think you, you generally say these are the type of kids I get. And I'm gonna the twenty-five kids. I'm gonna make twenty-five competitive kids. You know, I'm gonna make twenty-five competitive kids. Who are gonna play as hard as they can. And this is how I'm gonna manufacture that to get that done, um, and kind of go from there. But uh, um, you know, we we we, you know, we dabbled in quarters, at the time. But I mean, quarters are a lot different now quarters is a lot different now than it was six years ago. I mean, you know, five or six years ago, that's pretty obvious, but, um, that's kind of, kind of where we are now. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I find it difficult to, when somebody asks you, Oh, well, what scheme do you use? What system do you use? I'm like, well, it depends on where I am. It depends on the kids I have, like, like you were saying. And, yeah.
1: Yeah. um, you say multiple, you just say, yes, you, you said yeah. like a pro. <laughs> and I say multiple, but, uh, I think that there's there's a, there's a there's a confidence in being able to say like i don't have a true identity because I don't think I kn-. like the more what, you know, and it's not to knock anybody who i mean some people have a specific identity they they, they know who they're going to be they do their deal um, but not everybody who says that honestly really knows the details of it and but I, I admire the guys who stay with the one thing. I really do admire the guys who stay with the one thing and know and know all the things but um it's it's tough, right? It's tough sometimes to to, uh, uh, um, to pinpoint it now, and also, now I, I go back to the and I go back to like the, some of the wing T guys, like like some wing the wing T guys, like they take a pride mm-hmm. in like who the fullback in the community is going to be. You mean like there's a there's a, like so for me, it was always about building like who's the next guy at this position and having some routine. I will say this though, especially when I was at Division three, at Maritime. You know, one of the things was, was about development, and it's about retention. I think the most important thing, um, and that's probably a bit different with, with, uh, with um, scholarship football, obviously retention is a different, a different thing,
0: right? There's a
1: much different way to kind of go about that because of the way it kind of shakes out. But when you're talking about non-scholarship football or high school football, I think the retention thing is so key, and, and we built upon the retention so much. And used to say very clearly, our job is to recruit somebody better than you. Your job is to be better than you are. <laughs> so, so you know, that's, you You have the advantage and like I used to pledge to our guys a lot. Like I'm not going to overhaul this defense. Uh-huh. You're going to be familiar with the process. You're going to be familiar with what it's going to be. Um, you know, you're going to always have a spring and you're always going to have a fall. You're always going to have that time under your belt. You're not going to walk in in the fall and, and and by doing that, I think we build a lot of trust in there, but the the thing was, you know, they played a little harder, but, you know, in the fall, you're not going to come back in and, and have a whole new defense. And you're not going to learn at the same time as a freshman in the room or something like that when it, when it would come. As a coordinator, that's one of the pledges that I made to the, to them. And when they could – when a kid was a little better than them and came in and could do it, first of all, you, you say, all right, they, they're a little better, but can they do it over time? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? can I, so that's that's, that's – you know, you gradually put it in because too much too soon – you know, you make, can they do it over time? And then the other thing too is if it does happen that they do it over time and they're able to go ahead and, 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 you know, maintain reps or start or move on the depth chart over them. At the end of the day, you have to have an open conversation and be able to say, listen, like you, you had every advantage to yourself. And, and I will say this, and that's probably what I do more. So to take a deeper dive in now is numbers, but always, always putting a number to, you know, when we ended up coming up against something, we had to make a decision. We tried to put a number in there. We tried to say, grade it, you know, grade it and say, oh, "This is how many reps you had? This is how many pluses you had? This is how many, you know?" And you gotta really, do it. you gotta really, do it. and it's not necessarily whatever, but you have there's a, there's a fairness to to a kid. You gotta be able to say, "This is why this is happening," you know. And I think that as a head coach, we brought that into and probably one of the biggest things I learned from being at the FCS level and going back to Division three that we probably didn't do was the daily roster reviews. Like the daily roster, like really sitting down. And I, and I got to tell you, it doesn't matter if you got 50, 100, you got 20 kids. A daily roster of you and going through every kid is a tremendous value in, in personnel and really talking to your personnel and saying, you know, so-and-so didn't have it today. Mm-hmm. So, You know, you know, I kind of mentioned you didn't have it today, and you kind of also mentioned you didn't have it yesterday. So, like, everybody talk to him. What's up? You know what I mean? Is there something else going on that we need to know? And you know, I'm in a great academic institution right now, and sometimes that does become like I had six tests, I had this, I had this. these things happen. They're realities. Um, you know, it's not always some traumatic event. Sometimes there's stuff that happens that you have to talk about. But the daily roster reviews and going through the personnel, I think something I've taken from the, some of the places I've been at the higher level um, is something that when we brought it back to to being a head coach there it was a little cultural shock for the staff because they hadn't done it but I think they got prone to do it and understood a little bit more of why that was so important and the talking through the personnel and not just the scheme every day, but i talk to the actual people in the mm-hmm. personnel, uh, in the scheme, was, was, was pretty critical too.
0: Well, coach, we're getting, uh, close to, I think we actually were a little bit over an hour, which is fine. Uh, you know, I did tell you we had quite a while, but, um, I'm going to yeah, go ahead.
1: I'm sorry. I got, I, I, you know, I a joke, man. I heard stone go, Anthony Stone, I, I was going to come on and offer Stone's books for free. He's going he's gonna to kill me on that one. I say, well, I'll make you a deal. I'll offer Stone's books for free. <laughs> I'm going to text him and tell him, hey, listen, I, I went on a coach's show and mm-hmm. I offered your books <laughs> for
0: free. Hey, he might not mind that too much. He's oh, but won't. Uh...
1: He's, a, he's a good dude, though.
0: He's a good dude. He's a, yeah. Good. I mean, it's been a great conversation so far, and um, I'm going to end on kind of an interesting question here. Now, I'm in high school right now as a high school coach. Let me elaborate on that. Um, And at the moment, it's not my priority, but it's kind of one of those goals that, hey, maybe in the future if things line up correctly, I would like to have that dream of maybe making the jump to being a college coach one day. Uh, and I know a lot of high school coaches are interested in that as well. And we're always hungry to hear, like, what are some tips uh, to make that jump? What, Because you have that background. You actually coached in high school and you also coached in college. Um, so what are some tips that you might give to a high school coach who eventually wants to make the jump to a, a college program one day?
1: So I think – and the way – I went in, you know, whatever, fifteen, twenty years ago. in fifteen years ago into college is obviously much different from now. And you know, I, and I always there are guys that that did the I coach and then I, I I teach during the day and I coach college football. That was a little bit more a little different. A lot of a lot of things were challenging when it came to that, where it came to um practice schedule times and, and later classes and things like that. And they moved to morning programs. Um, so a lot of guys kind of fizzled out on that. I'm one of the dinosaurs in that respect. Um, but I think the biggest, you know, it all starts with relationships. I think it 100% starts with relationships. And, you know, the relationships are always, got to be genuine. They absolutely have to be genuine relationships. And, um, you know, the, the biggest key is getting in front of people um, and being able to Really find out where their heads at and what. First of all, asking like, what can you hi- can you hire? Can you hire somebody who is part time? Can you hire somebody who is currently teaching in a school? Because going into the field blindly and trying to make the transition up, it's not that it doesn't happen, but it's a little different. And and a lot of the like I said, a lot of the restrictions that you end up having with you know the, the ten full time and, and 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 this and that and the other thing, um, going to high levels is pretty tough. But but the the thing is is that it's 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 tough it's tough but it's tough to be on the field at high levels see you know if you can find a way to get involved in other things that are not necessarily on the field um, there's always kind of a way to do that and again everybody's got different stuff and i know you know with the internet now this kind of goes out all over the place and you may have two or three division three schools and you know another school down the road that's a you know this and and, or an naia or whatever the case may be but a lot so much of that is about timing and it's about um, not just trying to get in front of the head coach. It's not just trying to get in front of the head coach because you need to make relationships in with, with um, staff members. Um, people move around a lot. Um, you know, recruiting is obviously a huge part of that. And there's so much work to get done during the course of the day. It's not glamorous, a lot of it, right? And you have to really work to have relationships when it comes to that too. I mean, when I look at like, Going to Wagner. Like I had never really just in passing had conversations with Haas. You know, and basically I got to a place where through other people I said, Would you ever be interested in blank? You know, and it wasn't, it was an off the field, it wasn't glorious. It was the worst travel experience you could ever probably have in your entire life, just for me from home to work and back and forth. But you gotta kinda be willing to do those things and kind of go there. Not everybody wants to go that route to do it. But you know, there are some that are a little easier. There are some that are a little tougher. But the biggest thing all comes back from, like, the relationships to, to start with. And then from there, you got to look at two things. What do they, does that program need from you? And it's not what you need from the program. It's what does the program need from you. Because if you go in there thinking, I'm going to go ahead and I'm really good at coaching, so it's going to do this, it's probably not going to last very long. It's just not. It's to start out with you know, to start out with, you know, and, and I'm a big networker. I talk to a lot of people. I'll talk to anybody um, about anything, <laughs> a, you know, pretty much. But uh, my point is, is that um, you've got to see what your value is to them and not necessarily think what like, uh, um, um, their value is to you, right, on that respect. And that, and that is really so important. So if it's about setting clocks or filming practice sometimes just to get your foot in the door, you know, you got to be able to say if it's working for a couple of t-shirts and things like that, sometimes that's what's going to be to start it out with, to get, to get yourself going. Because the one, I have never had to get up and move to family. I mean, I have those kind of, there's some things that I probably haven't take, had to do um, with that stuff, but I've had an opportunity to coach with people who are now moved around all over the place. Uh, over the last like 15 years and you know the guys at the highest level in the league there's guys that are in high level high schools and there's guys that are coached ball, and it doesn't matter I still affiliate with them regardless but always um, the approach had to be especially when I was trying to always reinvent myself and stuff it's always about what value you bring I do a lot with tackling now but not everybody wants to hear about that it's not the case. that's not the thing that's needed at every place but that's the thing I want to do Right, and that's the other thing too. It's not necessarily it goes beyond the need, but it's about what they what they want you to do, what not what you want to do, and it goes far beyond scheme. It goes far beyond scheme. It goes into like every part of it. And the one thing I will say more than anything else, after being the head coach, right, is that if the head coach, if you're, you know, I've been at the front of the table and I've been at three tables back, right. It doesn't, all of that, all that, that means is this. That means that you have an appreciation for what it is to be at the front of the table. Right. And I can tell you right now, I didn't care if the guy at three tables back had gotten socks that week. Like I it wasn't important. You know what I mean? Like it's important. The players are the priority. So the value you're bringing is about bringing, especially in college football is about bringing value to the players, bringing value to um, um, their families because their families are making an investment in you, and then obviously bringing value to the to the representing the, the, the university, and those three things are, are, are tremendously important to there too. Because the opportunity, and I and I am I have, and I, I don't joke when I say this, and I don't understand it, the privilege that I've had to be in the places that I've had to be in, are the byproduct of of um, my willingness to learn my willingness to go ahead and, and 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 be make the make the situation that I'm in the most important situation that you're in at the time. And like I said, obviously it's easy it's it's easy to say that situation is important when you're coordinator or you're the head guy. It's easy. But when you're quality control or you're recruiting assistant or when you're whatever or a film person or whatever the case may be to get you through the door, you know you, you, your your job is to be the best person at that job, right? it be the best person at that job, you know, at that time. And like I say, it doesn't mean setting a clock for, you know, a couple seconds, you know, it, it means it's, you know, you do it to perfection and you do your job to perfection because that's what your expectation is um, of yourself. And that's the self-motivation that kind of happens to you. So, you know, it's not always, it's not always, especially when you're going from high school to college um, it's not always the most, streamlined routine way but it's always got to be your way and you know and it's not always glamorous but i always kind of joke i said to get to the part that i want to do i've got to do the part that needs to happen to make this to make this go to make this go whatever that is whatever it is with data entry like i got to do that part to do the thing that i want to do to be able to sit there and be able to you know look at the film and say hey i think we should do this you know what i mean like you know that that kind of thing that that happens to Mm-hmm. But I will say this, and I say this to a lot of young guys, like, you know, this is, whatever you're in, one thing, whatever situation or whatever position you're in at this time, this is the best part. <laughs> so, whatever it is, is the best part, because um, you only, you're going to, when you learn something new, it's nothing like learning something new the first time. There's nothing like learning, it's nothing like, it's nothing like the aha moment the first time. So right now, you, there's something you didn't know, and you're looking. That's the best part. That's the best part. I tell it the other. When people are struggling, I always tell them all the time, This is the best part. Remember, this is the best part right here. <laughs> and they say what? I, like you know, I gave up fifty points. That's the best part. You got to come back and not give up fifty points, and you're going to figure out how to do that. You're never going to have it. Have you ever done it before? No. Guess what? It's going
0: to be the best part.
1: This is the best part right now. <laughs> so.
0: That's a great way to look at it, coach. I I haven't thought about it that way, but I'm going to steal that. I'm going to steal that one from you. (laughs) All right. Well, coach, I really appreciate you coming in and, uh, maybe sometime I'll get to, uh, to come back on and we can actually talk tackling. I know that's, uh, your passion and, um, I I want, I like talking tackling, so I'd love to have you come back on sometime.
1: I'm, I'm all for that, but I will say one thing with that too. I've totally, we've totally simplified a lot of it. And, uh, and um you know we have like i said my my uh my I, I put stuff up all the time I, I just, i'm a big i'm a big person there's no I don't think there's that many secrets especially when it comes to fundamentals and uh you know but uh like i said it's um I'm always open if anybody is still listening or any listens i I listen so i you know i don't know I listen to get on and I, I said hey it's I dropped coach a, a, good job. <laughs> I said, I said Co- coach did a good job. He, he's in the room at night. <laughs> he got to hit the bed. I'm going back and forth. You know? <laughs> I love it. It's the best part. Remember it.
0: <laughs> I appreciate that, coach. At least somebody's listening. You know, that's, uh, that's why I told my wife when I first did this, I said, I'd be happy if I have five listeners. And uh, we recently hit um, 2,500 listens. And, my wife never thought that I'd get this off the ground. Cause she's like, you never have time to do this. And I'm like, I'll do it when you're asleep. <laughs> so,
1: you know, what? you just do it, you know? And, and that's the part of it too. You is, as you go back and you look back and I, I look back now and I sound older, I'm not even old, but I look back and like, what the hell was I doing? Like, <laughs> like, and like, I think about like, like some of the travel and I'm always famous for some of my traffic stories, travel and things like that. And I go like I look around now. How did I even do that? Like, <laughs> but it got done. It got done, and it, was, and it was something that you grew from, and you would. And the things you never, you wouldn't give it up for the world. You wouldn't give up your experience for the world because nobody. That's what makes it. That's one of the things that makes football is a great game because of the competition. Coaching is a great game because the experience is unmatched. There's nobody that there's nobody that goes through what we go through in a week. The ups, downs, rights, and left for the purpose of just finishing something and there's nobody that goes through that whole with a group of people and sit in a room and start on a Sunday to go through something on Monday or whatever the case may be, or Saturday, however they do it. And then by the end of the week, they look at each other, and they're either looking at each other and going, I can't believe we pulled out. And every and every every time, just about everywhere I've been, it's always, you know, especially in the early days, with like, you know, I used to have a coach to coach me, he goes, I'm shocked we even win a game, <laughs> you know, like – because because you, because you, you just got to remember we're all the same the, the other staff mm. just the other staff room going through the same thing and, and that's what that, that that experience of being being a coach and being with a group of people is just it's just unmatched
0: so I completely agree coach all right we're gonna go ahead and end it on this and uh, so this is Coach Sheffer and we are
1: signing off.